Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Amen. All right. Here's the warning. It's been a long weekend. You've had to put up with your family. You've eaten way too much. You haven't exercised. It's dark and rainy outside. You've had to stand and sing a couple of songs, and now you're exhausted, okay? And all you want to do is take a nap while I'm speaking, all right? So hold on a little bit longer, all right? That's all I'm asking uh, from you, because believe me, it will be well worth it, as you all know. Hey, amen, yes, amen. We are starting the Christmas season, and so one thing that happens in the Christmas season is that starting today, Santa starts keeping his naughty and nice list, okay? So you all bet we already got a picture from the North Pole right here, just to let you know, Santa is starting his naughty and nice list. Now, there's different reasons you get on the naughty or nice list, all right? But I wanted to help you out a little bit because recently they did a survey and teachers said these are the names of the kids who are generally naughty and the kids that are generally nice. So I'm going to give you the top five names of the naughty girls and boys and the top five names of the nice guys and boys. Just so you begin to know and it will help you a little bit. The top five naughty girl names according to teachers. Ella, Bethany, Eleanor, Olivia, and Courtney. Okay, those are the top five naughty girl names that are out there. How about naughty guy names, according to the teachers? Joseph, Cameron, William, Jake, and Joshua. Okay, those are the top five. Now... These are the nice names. Just so you look at that. Oh, I know that kid's going to be nice. Amy, Georgia, Emma, Charlotte, and Abigail. All right. So the top five nice guy names. Jacob, Daniel, Thomas, James, and Adam. All right. So right there now, you can get started. And when you see somebody and they walk up and they say, hey, my name is Courtney. You immediately know there's going to be a problem, okay, right when you get into it. So, so that's just a way of knowing naughty and nice as we get into it. So what's in a name? Well, for the next four weeks, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at different titles or names that were given to Jesus. He was the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And we're going to break those down and really look at what it says Uh, about Jesus and who he was and the names that were given to him. So let's look over now into Isaiah chapter 9. Take out your Bibles, turn over to Isaiah chapter 9, and the first thing we see is this. We live in a world of hurt and pain that desperately needs hope. We live in a world of hurt and pain that desperately needs help. Look at chapter 9, verse 1. I'm sorry, let's start with chapter 8. Who would rather start there? Anybody? Thank you. Thank you. Lisa does, so we'll start in chapter 8 because of her. Look back to verse 11 of chapter 8. Now the Lord spoke to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of the people. 
He said, do not call conspiracy everything that these people call conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. So Isaiah is preaching to a people who they see conspiracy in everything. Now, what, what I mean by that is anything that happens is something designed to get them. So anything that happens in the world, they take personally. They think it's, it's something to do with them and it's something that's going to hurt them. We still have that same thing today. People that as soon as they start reading the newspaper, everything applies to them personally. Uh, and they, they just feel like they're being overwhelmed. And so they have dread, we're told. They have fear about everything going on in the world. The same thing happens when I preach sermons sometimes. You know, dread and fear uh, come upon people. I've had people when I'm leaving, they'll walk up to me and they'll say, I know you were preaching at me this morning. And I'll say, well, you know, I, I really wasn't, but after talking to you, I probably should have been, you know, or, or, or something like that, you know. But we have this dread, this fear that comes upon us. I grabbed the, the newspaper and I just wanted to read you uh, just some, some, not, some headlines here to talk about dread and fear that's out there, problems that are going on in our world. And this is just a couple of pages I grabbed. Mother gives peace a chance. Moms of slain sons from feuding gangs seek to end family violence. All right. Uh, safe shopping tips. How to keep your money safe and your holidays merrier. So people are out there trying to steal your presents. Church secretary admits taking $275,000. Where is Robin Peach? Maybe I should have read that article. I don't know. I don't know. Athletic stimulant leaked to terrorists. Welcome to the political season. Attack ads coming soon. Uh, let's see. Chicago cop faced earlier complaints before shooting. Pope, catastrophic climate change derailing the world. Native Americans protest in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Costco, E. coli outbreak linked to vegetables. Palestinian teak. Uh, Palestinian teen girls playing bigger role in terrorist attacks and bombings. Now that's just two pages of the newspaper. And you begin to read that and what you see is exactly what we said. We live in a world of hurt and pain and we don't know how to react to it. Look at verse 19 of chapter 8. So people tell their, so people do what? They consult mediums and spiritists. They whisper and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Why do they consult the dead on behalf of the living? So all, all Isaiah is saying here is people don't know how to handle this. They're, they're afraid of everything. There's dread as they look at the world. And so they try to find something to help them cope. And so they consult mediums and spiritists and witches. And they say things like, you know, uh, tell us what the future is going to be like. And Isaiah says, how ridiculous it is that people are going to consult the dead when you've got a living God. You know, uh, what's wrong with people? Why are they doing these things? He goes on in verse 20. Uh, he says to the law and to the testimony, if they do not speak according to this world, they have no light of dawn. So these people have no light in their lives at all. They're distressed. They're hungry. They roam through the land. They are famished and they become enraged and look upward and curse their king and their God. So a lot of the problems people have in their life are their own doing. The decisions you've made, the things you've done in your life have brought problems in your life and you curse God and the king because of it. Instead of looking at your own life and what you're doing. And then he just ends up this section that says they look towards the earth and all they see is distress, darkness, fear and gloom. They are thrust into utter darkness. 
So that's the condition of the world today. And there's a lot of people like that, uh, especially since the terrorist attacks uh, that were in Paris and other things. People talk to me all the time. I just don't feel safe. I don't want to travel. I'm afraid to go anywhere. And so we have this overwhelming fear and dread of everything that's out there. We live in a crazy world and a dangerous world. And you want to know how crazy a world we live in? I can tell you, this happened in Zimbabwe. Take a look at this guy right here. This is, this is Mane Saran. He bribed the judges to win the ugly contest in Zimbabwe. Now, how crazy a world is it if you want to win the ugly contest? Okay, is that a crazy world? You know, it's a crazy world. You know, maybe bribe the judges not to win the ugly contest. Not to win the ugly contest. So we live in a crazy crazy world that's out there. So how do you have any kind of hope in a world that's like the newspaper that I just read to you? Well, that's where chapter nine begins. And chapter nine begins with a word that actually gives us hope. And it's the word nevertheless. Even though all these things are going on, distress, gloom, fear, calamity, nevertheless, Even though all of these things are happening, even though the world seems to be in this condition, nevertheless. And so we see God's promise is going to be hope for a hurting world. God doesn't leave the world the way that we see it. God has hope and promise for a world that's hurting. Even though all of these things that are going on, even though you can read this newspaper and become pretty depressed. Anybody out there saying, I don't even like to listen to the news anymore? Hear that all the time. Uh, when Dawn and I first started uh, dating and then got married and we'd go down to Florida to see her family and I'd turn on the news in Tampa and, and it would just be murder, 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 you know, on the, on the local news. And, and I started to say, you know, man, th- this is one of the craziest places I've ever seen. Well, I'm telling you what I saw 20 years ago in Tampa, Florida is now what you see in Louisville, Kentucky every time you turn on the news. And so you look at that and you think, what kind of hope is there? And that's where our scripture begins in chapter 9. Nevertheless, let's keep reading. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now, Zebulun and Naphtali were two of the 12 tribes of Israel, and they were the outer tribes, the tribes way, way out. And so uh, they were the first to hit uh, the, the invading armies. And so whenever, especially the Assyrian armies would come over, uh, the first thing they would do is, is hit Zebulun and Naphtali, and they were constantly being invaded. They were constantly in danger. They were constantly vassals to the Assyrian states and to Syria itself and Damascus. And so they were constantly in turmoil. And he says, okay, you've been humbled in the past, but in the future, God is going to honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. Now, that's just a a prediction of the coming of Jesus because Jesus would grow up in that Galilee area. It was insignificant. There was nothing there. It was the breadbasket of the country. That was about it. But God said there's going to come hope. There's going to come peace to the people who are hit the hardest. What he does next in chapter 9 is he gives several ways God's going to give us this promise of new things. And so let's look down and see some of the things he says. Uh, Let's keep reading down in verse uh, one. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The first thing he gives us is he says, God will give honor. 
He will give honor. He's going to honor Galilee. Now, again, Galilee was the backwater. It was the remotest part of the land of Israel. It's out in the deep country. Nobody went out there except a few farmers, and they took their food into the city. But he's going to bring great honor to this oppressed area where the raiding armies come in all the time. Now, as you look at your life, as you look at the world around you, one of the things you probably don't see is a lot of honor being given to people, being people being treated as if they're special, people being treated as if God cares for them and loves them. But we're told we're going to get honor. Now, we recognize it when somebody gets honor. Here's a young man here by the name of Lucas Etter. Lucas Etter. Anybody know what he did this week? Oh, yeah. He solved the Rubik's Cube in 4.9 seconds world record. I can't even pick it up in 4.9 seconds, you know, and he solves the entire puzzle in 4.9 seconds. Now he was, he, that was good because it'd taken him almost six seconds to do it the last time he did it. Uh, so, you know, this kid flat knows what he's doing with that Ruby cube. So he's now the world record holder that gives you honor. But what we're being told here is that when you are in distress, when you're in hurt, when you begin to think I don't matter, Nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. That's when we're told God is going to step into that distress and gloom and he's going to bring you honor. And the greatest honor we're ever going to have is what we hear in John 3, 16. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus, the reason we celebrate Christmas is all about God coming for you Because he loved you. So God's going to give honor. Let's keep reading the second thing. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. So the second thing we're told is light. Now darkness hides things. Darkness makes it hard to get oriented. You're disoriented. You don't know what's going on. You're trying to find your way. You're, you're, you're kind of putting your hands out and trying to touch the wall and find the light switch or whatever. And what we're told is there's a world out there. That's the way they're living their life. They're living in a darkness. They don't know what's right or wrong. They don't know what's good or bad. They don't know what direction to take. They don't know who to believe. And they're just kind of feeling their way in the dark. And he says that to those people in darkness, a great light's going to shine. It's like the dawn in the morning when you see it coming up. And it gives hope that somehow God is going to be there and active. That God is going to give light in your life to make good decisions, to see right and wrong, to know how to do and how to live. That God's going to bring that kind of light into your world. He's going to help you look at your life and your situations and say, Hey, how am I living it? What's going on? How should I feel? He's going to bring light into the darkness. People need light and darkness all the time. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco from the big bang theory. She got married a year and a half ago. And when she got married, she had her anniversary date or her wedding date tattooed on her back. And I got a picture of that right there. In Roman numerals, her, her wedding date was tattooed on her back. Great decision by Kaylee because a year and a half later, she got divorced, but she still had her wedding date tattooed on her back. So she did this uh, this week. Uh, she made it into a big bug. Uh, so instead of a wedding date, she now has a big bug uh, that, that is on her back here. And she put this on Twitter. Note to self, don't permanently mark your body for things that are temporary. 
I didn't know marriage was supposed to be temporary, but, but I guess from, from her standpoint, um, maybe that it was. But that was a light going on in her head, okay? Maybe that wasn't the best decision in the world to have made. But what our scripture is saying is that when you're in darkness and you don't know the best decisions, when you're wondering what to do, God is going to provide light in that darkness. Let's keep reading. He says, you have enlarged the nation. You have enlarged the nation, verse 3. So he's going to give us renewal. Uh, that when we feel like we have nothing and we're barely getting by and we don't know how we're going to survive, that God is going to renew and enlarge and make better what we have. And what a hope that is. That when we think we have nothing and that we're losing everything, God is going to provide renewal. He's going to provide not just a second chance. He's going to pick us up and keep us going. Probably you all saw what happened to Johnny Manziel this week. He was found uh, uh, partying uh, down in Texas, lied to the Cleveland Browns about it, and went from their starting quarterback to being demoted to third string. Have a party here of Johnny, a picture of Johnny uh, having fun at his his party, you know. And uh, and so, you know, uh, he actually met with the Cleveland Browns. They said, look. We've told you you're, you're just out of rehab. We've got certain conditions you've got to make. Were you partying in Texas? And he said, absolutely not. Whoever told you that was lying. And they said, well, we've got these pictures. And he goes, oh, well, maybe I was then. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, I, maybe I was wrong. But then he put out this statement. Hey, this time I'm going to learn from it. Okay, this time I'm going to learn from it. But what the Bible says is there's going to come a time where in the darkness in our light, God is not just going to renew and forgive. He's going to enlarge and make right and better what is going on in our life. Keep reading down to verse 3. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. So the, the next thing we see is he's going to give joy. That right now we live in a world where there is no joy, where, where everything is fearful, where everything we think of is a conspiracy. And in that kind of gloom, he promises joy. Now, joy is not happiness. And that's the, that's the problem we often think of. We think of joy as being happiness. And happiness means, oh, I don't have any problems and everything's great. That's not joy. Joy is a peace and a security and a strength even when everything else falls apart. There's a difference between being happy and being joyful. And what we're told that in these people who have gloom now, he's going to bring joy. And he gives it two different illustrations. One is the joy at harvest. When you bring in all of the crops and all of your year's work is finally seen, the fruits of your labor are there, and that joy that comes from seeing the fruit of your labor. And the second is dividing the spoil after a battle. And he said, you know, you come in and you have that real joy that's in your life. Anybody here watch Dancing with the Stars? Okay, we do have a counseling center, so I'll I'll refer you all to that as we go. If you watch Dancing with the Stars, who won it? Bendy Irwin. And she was the crowd favorite because, you know, she had a hard life. You know, her, everybody knows the story of her dad passing away and, and everything. And, and, uh, and then uh, to be able to win Dancing with the Stars. And here's a picture of her. You can just see joy uh, in her face as she's coming across there after winning Dancing with the Stars. And we're told that for those in gloom, there's going to be joy. And then finally, finally, he says there's going to be comfort. There's going to be comfort and peace. Look at verse 4. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. 
will be fuel for the fire. He says in verse four, it's going to be like it was in the days of Midian's defeat. Now he's talking about the story of Gideon here. Gideon, who with just a few hundred men defeated an army of thousands. Uh, And he's told just as Gideon was overwhelmed in numbers, but won a great victory. So God is going to do the same in your life. You may feel overwhelmed. You may feel like there's no way out of this, but God is going to bring great victory to you. He's going to give you true comfort and peace. In verse five, what he says is not only is he going to give you that comfort and peace, he's going to wipe away all of the things that were hurting you. So he says all of the weapons, all of the warrior's gear that was used to oppress you are going to be burned with fire and wiped away. And so God is going to give you that true peace, that true comfort that comes from having a relationship with him. And so we look back now and we see that we're promised many things in the midst of gloom. Honor, light, renewal, joy, comfort. And it all sounds good. But then the question comes up, okay, how? If that's what you're promising me, if I'm in this gloom and darkness and you're promising me all these great things, I have a simple question. How are you going to fulfill it? What are you going to do to bring it about? How can you make this kind of a change in the kind of a world that I'm living in? And that's where verse 6 comes in. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. What's going to bring this difference, bring this hope, and bring this change? We're told very directly in verse 6, it's the birth of a child. It's a son that is given and given for you. Now, that's the amazing thing unto us. It's it's not just talking about people out there in the world somewhere or some some general big thing happening. It's very personal for you. You're included in this. For everything going on in your life, there is hope that that is going to come from a birth of a child. Now, the birth of a child often gives hope to parents, no matter, no matter what situation they're in. Uh, that, that renewal, that new life, that joy that comes. Uh, Willow Smith, Will Smith's uh, daughter, turned 15 this week. Got a picture of, of Will and Willow here when she was uh, younger than that. And when she turned 15 this week, he put this on Twitter. Happy birthday, my dear girl. You're 15 years old today. On the day you were born, it took me two seconds To realize I would die for you. Thank you for correcting my heart. Thank you for teaching me how to love without any constriction or condition. Just love. That's what the birth of his daughter meant to him. Thank you for correcting my heart. And now I know that I can love without constriction or condition someone and something. That all came from just the birth of a daughter in his life. Well, what we're told in our scripture passage is that for all of the hurt and gloom and darkness in this world, that there is going to come one, a son who's going to be born, a child that's going to be given for you. And he's going to bring honor and light and renewal and joy and comfort. And so then the question becomes, okay, then how's he going to do that? Wouldn't you like to know? Well, come the next three weeks and you will. Okay. (laughs) This is kind of like ending on the cliffhanger, you know, before the, before the season is over. But that's the promise that we're given here. That this child that's going to be born is going to bring true hope to a world in darkness. And we'll see how that child does that in the weeks to come. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you. 
that you don't leave us in the dark, but you provide us a great light and a great hope through your son. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.